Welcome and once again, thank you so very much for joining us on today's segment of Making a Difference Through Mentorship, where we believe you make a difference one life at a time. I want to also thank those of you that are joining us for the very first time. The aim of these podcasts is to share principles and precepts by which we can make a difference in somebody's life by the word of the living God. Today's podcast is entitled Restoring Kingdom Living. In Matthew 11 and 12, Jesus says that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This statement by Jesus is a graphic picture of the enthusiasm and excitement generated by the teachings of John the Baptist and Jesus himself. John the Baptist only had one message, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. The people had never heard a message like this before. The only thing that they knew were the five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy or the Torah. That's all they'd ever heard. So now John shows up on the scene and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. So when somebody would ask John, what you go preach on Sunday? Repent. What you go preach on Wednesday night? Repent. That's the only message that John had. And the people were excited and enthused about this message because they had never heard it before. And then Jesus shows up and John says, look, y'all need to understand. I am not the one. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So this excitement and enthusiasm as John the Baptist was preaching and Jesus was teaching all around the countryside, this excitement and enthusiasm was so overwhelming that many historians picture it as if the people were an army attacking to lay siege upon a city, beating down the doors to enter, to get into here, because I've got to get to this kingdom. The word violence simply means force. The force was the enthusiasm and excitement of the people of God for the kingdom and kingdom living. Kingdom living is a life lived under the authority of a king. For us, that king is Jesus. His commands are not for our consideration, but for our obedience in harmony with his will and his way for our lives. The basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is reign. It's God's kingly rule and reign, which includes his actions, his lordship, and his sovereign governance. God's kingly rule and reign is also his saving and redeeming grace for fallen humanity. For by grace are we saved. It's the gift of God. That's a part of God's kingly rule and reign through his son, Jesus Christ. Philippians 3 and 20 in the Amplified Bible reminds us, but we are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And from there, we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have two passports. We are citizens of our country of origin, whether it's the United States or or Japan or Germany. We are citizens of our respective countries, but we are also citizens of heaven and we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Luke chapter 17, at the 20th verse in the Living Bible, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God begin? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God isn't ushered in with visible signs. Verse 21, you won't be able to say it has begun here in this place or there in that part of the country, for the kingdom of God is within you. When we talk about restoring, to restore is to bring back to its former state, 
to bring back from a state of ruin, decay, disease, to repair, to renew, or to recover. First Peter 5 and 10 in the modern English version says, But after you have suffered a little while, we will all go through some trouble, some hardships, some heartaches in this life. But the word of the Lord says, But after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, grace meaning the power and equipment for ministry, the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus, will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. The word restore in this passage carries the meaning of repair men to put in order for a specific purpose. In Psalm 23, David, in the same breath, talking about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. In verse 3 of Psalm 23, David says, he restores my soul. Restoration denotes giving or receiving something back that was taken or lost, experiencing something again. In Psalm 51 and 12, David again says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Therefore, for kingdom living to become a reality in our churches and community today, we must restore the enthusiasm and excitement of God's kingly rule and reign, his actions, his lordship, and his sovereign governance in the minds and hearts of God's people. This is why Jesus says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, that's a part of God's kingly rule and reign for us to love the Lord with, love the Lord with all that we are and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. In order to restore kingdom living, the kingdom of God must be sought after. It must be pursued. So Solomon in Proverbs 21 and 21 in the New International Version, he declares, he who pursues righteousness and love shall find life, prosperity, and honor. That's kingdom living. That's a kingdom mindset. The kingdom of God must be pursued. We must pursue righteousness and love because God is love. And as we pursue righteousness, being right with God and the love of God, because God is love, we will find life. What kind of life? A kingdom life, the abundant life. And we will find prosperity, which means not just financially, but also it means what John, uh, what third John and the second verse says, I wish above all things, all things, all things, all is the inclusion of everything to the exclusion of nothing. I, I wish above all things that you may prosper. That word prosper means to go well on your life's journey. Every facet of life that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That means spiritually, emotionally, socially, and mentally. So in order for kingdom living to be restored, we must pursue righteousness, love, and we'll find life, kingdom life, prosperity, and honor. And furthermore, kingdom living must be understood concerning how to apply it in our daily lives and its relevance and impact on our lives. Otherwise, it will be like a key on your key ring that you forgot what it's for. It has a purpose, but it's not impacting your life because you don't know what is purpose to unlock, open, and make available to you. It's there and has value, and its value is based on its purpose. The purpose of kingdom living is to glorify God with our time, talents, gifts, possessions, and yes, even our money. If we don't understand the kingdom is present for us, it's within us, but it's not impacting your life because we don't understand its purpose. 
Therefore, seeking to understand God's kingdom and kingdom living is essential for us as believers. It can unlock God's kingdom influence and impact upon every area of our lives. So Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. They were concerned about where we go eat, where we go where. And Jesus said, listen, my father takes care of the birds of the air. Don't you think that he's going to take care of you? So Jesus says, don't worry about that. But what you need to concern yourself with is seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything that you need will be added unto you. See, the moment we were born again of God's spirit, he reserved our place in heaven, placed us in the body of Christ and repositioned us as his children in his family and in his kingdom as citizens. Ephesians 2 verses 19 and 20 in the Amplified Version says, Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, and aliens, excluded from the rights of citizens. But you now share citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself. And you belong to God's own household. Verse 20, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself the chief cornerstone. On Christ, the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand and our citizenship citizenship is built upon the rock. And Jesus said, the, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. When we have dual citizenship, we understand that we may be citizens of the United States or Germany or some other country. We may have a driver's license and passport that verifies and confirms our identity. But as citizens of the kingdom, our identity is in his divinity. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation because of our citizenship in the kingdom. As citizens of the kingdom, we are to operate and function in the character standards and nature of God. Further, we experience his kingdom influence on earth by operating and living out his word and living by faith. And because we are kingdom citizens, we can invoke the influence and benefits of the kingdom of God right here on earth. Yet the strategy of the enemy is to rob us of our influence because the scripture reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 that the God of this world is a mind blinder to those that believe not. Many don't believe uh, the, the power of kingdom living and the strategy of the enemy. They don't believe that the enemy is trying to rob, kill, and destroy them because th their minds have been blinded. If a man or woman never knew or understood that the kingdom of God is within, see, that's the devil's strategy to keep us ignorant, to keep us locked away in the darkness. Darkness is a sign and a symbol of darkness, of evil, of the wicked strategy that the devil has against us. And part of that strategy is to keep mankind from ever knowing or understanding that the kingdom of God, the power of God is within us. If that person doesn't know that, that person can never operate in the kingdom authority that has been granted to God's people by our King, Jesus Christ, and must be restored. So Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. See, that's kingdom living. That's a kingdom mindset, knowing that Jesus as our king is also our governor and the increase of his government and peace in our lives. I will keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed upon who? Him, the king, living in a kingdom manner, living with a kingdom mindset. However, just like any other government operation, its protection and influence is invoked through, through abiding in its principles, concepts, and laws. In the case of God's kingdom, it starts with our submission to our king, Jesus, by accepting him in our hearts as Lord and Savior. Then we move to obedience and application of his word. Jesus says in the Passion Translation of Luke chapter 6, beginning at the 46th verse, What good does it do for you to say, I am your Lord and Master, if what I teach you is not put into practice? Verse 47, let me describe the one who truly follows me and does what I say. Verse 48, he is like a man who chooses the right place to build a house and then lays a deep and secure foundation. When the storms uh, and floods rage against that house, that building, it continues to stand strong and unshaken through the storm. For it has been wisely built on the right foundation. Verse 49. But the one who has heard my teaching and does not obey it is like a man who builds a house without laying a foundation at all. When the storms and floods rage against that house, it will immediately collapse and become a total loss. And then Jesus asked this question. Which of these two builders will you be? And this passage, Jesus is teaching kingdom living. And then ask the question, which of these two builders will you be? To live under the rule, reign, and government of the King of Kings, we must build the foundation of our lives upon his word deeply and securely. This prevents the storms and challenges of life from destroying our foundation in him. It's the obedience and application that impacts, transforms, and invites God's kingdom influence in and upon our lives. The influence of the kingdom of God will flow in and through our lives, regardless of what's occurring on earth on the outside. It's a superior kingdom. God's kingdom brings heaven's influence into our lives here on earth. It is further outlined by the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. This is kingdom living and the influence of the kingdom by the fruit of the spirit. It is God's character being manifested in and through us by the power of his indwelling spirit. It is his kingdom character that we as believers must yield to grow in and walk in. God's kingdom character impacts how we are to deal with God, ourselves, others, and the world we live in. To walk and live in kingdom character requires what Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But it's the Christ that lives in me and the life that I live now is, is, is because he loved me and gave himself for me. That's kingdom living. That's a kingdom mindset. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead woman, but I've been raised up in the life that I live. I now live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus further reminds us in Luke chapter nine, verses 23 and 24 in the common English version if any of you want to be my followers, my disciples, you must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross every day and follow me. If you want to save your life, you will ultimately destroy it. But if you give up your life for me, you will save it. Jesus further helps us to understand in John 8 and 12 in the New International Version, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never 
walk in darkness. Darkness, again, being a sign and a symbol of ignorance or being blinded by the mind blinder. Whoever walks in me, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The first thing that we do when we come into a dark room or a dark place is to look for the light. It's in our nature as human beings, as kingdom-minded citizens, because we are reborn in the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ, and we don't like the night, which is a symbol of darkness in this passage. Darkness can be anything that has no light in it, light being a symbol of illumination or our ability to see. So the psalmist says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. I'll never have to wonder which direction to go because all I need to do is turn right to Jesus, right to my King of Kings and right to his word. This is kingdom living that must be restored to keep people out of the dark. And kingdom living can be restored by truth, uh, by the truth of Mark eleven twenty two, which simply says, have faith in God. Faith is the lifestyle of the believer. We have to live by faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God, to please God. To the church at Corinth, Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. So not only should we live by faith and not by sight, but our faith enables us to please God. Hebrews 11 and 1 in the Amplified Version, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things that we hope for being the proof of things that we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith undergirds or supports what we hope for. The word substance literally means a standing under. Amplified a bit further, substance is that which though unseen exists beneath what is visible. Substance carries the meaning of a foundation. The foundation of a building is unseen, but the building above ground is seen. The foundation is still real and present, supporting the building that stands in clear view, but it is unseen. Likewise, faith is the foundation for what we hope for and the foundation for kingdom living in our relationship with God. Faith is the very beginning of everything that matters for kingdom living and its restoration in the lives of God's people. In its simplest form, faith is merely belief. When we begin to put faith to work, it becomes confidence. In its best form, when it becomes fully operational, faith is trust. Faith as a substance of things hoped for, coupled with confidence and trust in God, is the pattern that silences the negative thoughts and the influence of the it is what it is mindset. Faith reveals what could be. The Wright brothers hundreds of years ago, knew that the flight industry was not what it could be. But to change it, they applied their faith and allowed God to show them what it could be. A solid and reliable definition of hope is the following. A feeling of a confident, favorable expectation and desire for certain things to happen. Any prayer request begins with a desire for something that creates a mental image of something good or positive solution to a problem. When we learn to confess daily, something good and something God is going to happen to me today. Say it again, something good. Say it with me this time. Something good and something God is going to happen to me today. One more time, something good and something God is going to happen to me today. That's the feeling of a confident, favorable expectation 
and desire for something to happen. The definition of faith is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. One is an expected desire. The other is joyful, confident expectation. Hope always speaks in the future tense where faith always speaks in the present tense. Oh, glory to God. Hope believes that God can. Faith knows that God has. So Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four in the Living Bible, listen to me. You can pray for anything. And if you believe it, you have it. It's yours. Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers in the mid to late 1800s, was once asked, what is more important, praying or reading the Bible? Spurgeon replied, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Hope and faith are roommates. Hope and faith ride in the same car because they work together. We believe the Bible is true by faith. We believe that God hears our prayers by faith. We believe that we'll go to heaven one day by faith. We get up in the morning and operate on a daily basis by faith as kingdom-minded people. Faith will bring us to do both regularly and doing both regularly strengthens our faith and its energy. Let me say that again. Faith and hope, when we do them or bring them together regularly, doing both regularly, it strengthens our faith and our energy. Faith is the oxygen by which we breathe and live by. The flight attendant on every flight always tells us, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Kingdom living and its restoration in the lives of God's people is a confident, favorable expectation of the truth. First Corinthians 2 and 9 in the New King James Version, where the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. There is a confident, favorable expectation that the word of God is true. And I've got an expectation of the things that God has prepared for me, the things that God has prepared for you because of our love for him, because he first loved us. When Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 12 that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, it is a picture of the enthusiasm and excitement generated by the teachings of John the Baptist and Jesus. When we get excited about the word of God, it'll make you feel like doing a cartwheel. It'll make you feel like running when nobody's chasing you. It'll make you stand up on your feet, lift up both hands and shout hallelujah because you know that the kingdom of God abides within you. When the kingdom of God which is God's domain and territory where he rules as king over our lives in our hearts. It further solidifies is God's rule, his reign and sovereign governance in our lives. The kingdom of God includes anything and everything that God created because he owns what he creates or simply the fact that the kingdom includes not only heaven, but earth as well. The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Therefore, God's kingdom as citizens, that's you and me. The laws, that's the Bible. And and the territory, our hearts, he rules, he reigns, and he governs throughout all three components. The first Adam was given the mandate of dominion in Genesis 1 and 26, which made him the legitimate king of the earth. His kingship was conditional upon remaining subject or submitted to God, the creator and owner of things and owner of all things. Adam was given kingdom authority, but God retained sovereignty over his creation. 
And by his sovereignty, God has every right to set up or to depose kings in the earth. When Adam sinned, he disqualified himself as a legitimate king and owner of the dominion mandate in the earth. Adam was also given the mandate, as noted in Genesis 1 and 26, to be fruitful and multiply. This second mandate is the origin of sonship and was the mandate which was to culminate in the manifestation in the sons of God. So Paul says in Romans 8 and 19 in the Amplified Version, for even the whole creation, all of nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing. All of creation is waiting for the revealing of sons. Even so, with all of God's sovereignty involved, even so sin and death had invaded the territory of the kingdom. And so rebellion broke out among citizens, the angels in heaven that joined forces with the usurper, the devil himself in God's kingdom. In the expanded translation of Revelations 12, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael, an archangel and protector of God's people, as noted in Daniel 10 and 13 and Jude 9, and his angels, Michael the archangel and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Verse 8, listen at this, but the dragon was not strong enough. The devil was not strong enough, and he and his angels lost their place in heaven. This narrative in this passage lays out the defeat of the devil and his angels by Michael and his angels in heavenly combat. But the enemy has not stopped fighting because he knows that if kingdom living is restored in the people of God and the people of God share this truth, there's an untold multitude of people that he will lose control of that are destined for hell because of their choices not to obey the king of kings because they do not know that the devil is already defeated and the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what uh, John was preaching. John only had one message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is still God's message today. This is still John's message for every man that's lost. This is why Jesus and Luke went, um, when he entered into Jericho, he saw Zacchaeus up a tree. Zacchaeus within himself, I've got to see Jesus. He was ready to be saved, but he didn't know how. So Jesus enters into the city. He sees uh, Zacchaeus up the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down for salvation has come to your house today. Coming down out of the tree is indicative of our own way of thinking, a man's way of thinking, the way that I think things should be. Zacchaeus had reached the point. He was hated by his own people. He had power, prestige, and position, but there was still a hole in his soul. So Jesus came to Zacchaeus and said, salvation has come to your house. So Zacchaeus was saved. And when we, as the agents of God's people, repent the same message that John preached, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this man, this woman, members of our family, Folk on our job, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a kingdom mindset because our aim and goal is to see everybody saved. Jesus does not willing that, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
This is a kingdom mindset where we recognize our responsibility to be ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, reconciling lost mankind back to the Father. All the authority, all the power of heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit is granted to us when we receive Jesus Christ as King, his rule, his reign, and sovereign governance in our lives by the work of the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. This is why Paul says in Philippians 3 and 10 in the New International Version, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. We must die in order to live in and by the power and authority of the kingdom of God within us. This is why Romans 8 and 14 tells us, they that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God, sons in the kingdom. And sons has nothing to do with gender, but has everything to do with looking like Jesus as the king and the son of God. Sons in the kingdom are granted a double portion anointing as it was with Elisha and Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2. Elisha wanted a double portion anointing for the sake of the call of God that was on his life. This is kingdom living. You and I have been called by God as kingdom citizens and as sons according to Romans 8 and 19. The whole of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, kingdom citizens, people that are distressed, discouraged, experiencing hardships are waiting for the manifestation of your kingdom authority and power to be released, where you cloak and clothe them to live under the rule, the reign, and sovereign governance of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ our Lord, where the reality of Psalm 91 comes alive day by day. He that abides in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. This is kingdom living, which is all a further manifestation of the kingdom authority that Jesus said in Luke 17 and 21, for the kingdom of God is within you. What Adam lost for us in the garden, Jesus restored for us at Calvary. With a kingdom mindset, a mind that is set on the rule, reign, and sovereign governance of our king of kings, you are the solution to somebody's problem and the answer to somebody's prayer. Fulfilling in the earth the truth of Luke 4, 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon you, my brother, my sister, because he has anointed you to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor with the spirit of the Lord upon you and the kingdom of God within you. You and I have a double barrel shotgun and we can wage war against the enemy, making you to know that you have more power than the devil who is under your feet as you walk and live in and by the power and authority of the kingdom of God within you. As we do so, we further have the responsibility of restoring kingdom living within our families within our communities, within our neighborhoods. This is further proving that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Because if we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, all that we want for every member of our family, for our neighbors, for those on our jobs, 
is to be saved and experience Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace are you saved. It is the gift of God. This is restoring kingdom living in the lives of those that cross our path.